Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. I think the biggest thing that they learn is that I don't do anything half-ass. <laughs> if I'm in, I'm in. When you lead a big life with big achievements, building a brand is about more than slapping your name on a product. It's about a commitment to quality and having a strong connection to what you make. Our tagline in our marketing is celebrate your victories, be proud of your scars, and enjoy the journey. And that really emulates what we're all about. And, and just it's about having a conversation and telling your story, telling your journey that you're on. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. On this show, I get to talk to some of the most impressive people around, trust me. But with today's guest, that couldn't be more true. As a bonus, our conversation combines two things I'm a huge fan of, the NHL and whiskey. So I'm extra excited. We're sitting down with Chris Pronger, not just a former professional hockey player, but a Hall of Famer who has been voted one of the NHL's 100 greatest players ever. For 19 years, Chris was known as one of the fiercest and most dominant defensemen in the history of the league and was a four-time All-Star, a Norris Trophy winner as the league's best defenseman, and a Hart Trophy winner, which is the league's most valuable player. Very rare for a defenseman. Chris took three teams to the Stanley Cup Finals as captain and won it all with the Anaheim Ducks. He was a two-time Olympic gold medal winner for Canada and is one of 30 players in the Triple Gold Club. That is an IIHF World Championship, Olympic gold, and the Stanley Cup. Chris is a great family man and a hardworking entrepreneur, launching, among other businesses, The Journey, a 100% Canadian rye whiskey with his brother, Sean. And that's our focus for today's conversation with a bit of hockey thrown in as well. Let's enter the arena, although I'm scared, with Chris Pronger. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm feeling after this introduction, my resume feels a little light, you know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. Hey, let's start out with a little bit about your career. You were drafted second overall in the NHL draft by the Hartford Whalers. I live in Connecticut, so I used to be a Whalers fan. Did you take being drafted number two? I know how like most professional athletes, they take it as a slight and use it as motivation. Did you kind of use it as motivation? Uh, a little bit. So Ottawa was picking one. Uh, San Jose at the time had the second pick. Obviously, as you know, I went second overall to Hartford. They made a trade up in the draft. They were picking sixth. Tampa had three. Uh, I think Florida had four. And then Anaheim had five. And then Hartford had six. And uh, they made a trade up to number two to pick me, knowing all along that Ottawa was going to take Alexander Dagg at number one. 
Yeah, who? Uh, he they had kind of yeah. I think they had him signed even before the draft. So interesting. I think I, I knew I wasn't going number one. So it was just a matter of uh, the jockeying for uh, for position. And San Jose had kind of spent the full year locked in on Victor Kozlov, who at the beginning of the year was rated number two and had had kind of slipped a little bit in the draft. And they had kind of pushed in that they didn't need another defenseman and uh, and they wanted Victor Kozlov. So they were willing to trade down. He had kind of slipped further down in the rankings and Hartford was able to kind of trade up. They kind of held the cards with their draft position with San Jose knowing they could get the player they wanted and then add some assets in the process. When you got to the league at that age, what was it like to play with these bigger, older, kind of probably a lot faster players? Like, what did you feel like you belonged right away, or did you have to make a lot of adjustments, or was it just like kind of panic right off the bat? Like, wow, I need to elevate things. No, I think I think playing a couple years in junior hockey and playing against very high draft picks. Uh, my first year in junior, I got to play against Eric Lindros, who had gone first overall in the draft the previous year. Yeah, uh, so I was able to kind of test myself against some of the best up and coming players and also kind of gauge myself on, well, that guy was, you know, is a top 10 pick or that guy was, you know, first overall, what have you. And then you go and see them play the following year. You see them playing pro and they're dominating or they're playing at a high level. And like, oh, I just played against that guy. So you kind of are able to gauge a little bit. Uh, but, but knowing back in 1992, 93, there wasn't a whole lot of internet going on. <laughs> Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. Right? So it was, uh, you know, you're kind of flying blind a little bit. You're trial by fire and, and just kind of showed up at camp and really wasn't sure what to expect. And uh, just figure it out. Yeah. You kind of figure it out, you know, learn on the fly, so to speak. And uh, had a great mentor in, in uh, Hartford, uh, Brad McCrimmon, who had who had a couple years prior had mentored Nick Lidstrom with the Detroit Red Wings. So big learning curve on a number of fronts, but more just living on your own, understanding how to be a pro. Well, you played for a few different teams in your career and you won it all with the Ducks. What made that team so great? I always feel like the NHL playoffs are like the greatest thing to watch ever. And it just seems to me as like a outsider looking in, like the difference between the teams is so minute, you know, like everybody is good. Everybody's skilled. Everybody's tough. Like what made that team different? when you guys won it? Well, it was, it's probably the, the funnest team that I played on. Really? You know, if you wanted to play a, you know, a tight checking defensive game, we could beat you 2-1. If you wanted to play a run and gun 7-6 game, we could play that. You wanted to play a tough rock'em sock'em game, we could beat you up. You know, we, we had a lot of different facets to our game. And, you know, sometimes you come into a game and you have a strategy and you're just going to stick to it. And other times like, well, let's see how they want to play. And very confident team. We had a lot of success in, in the three years I was there. And obviously that first year uh, winning it all. But uh, it was a lot of fun coming to the rink, working hard. You know, you're you kind of battle it out with the, the same group for nine, ten months. And, and you're fortunate enough to, to come out on the other end and become champions. And it is uh, arguably the hardest sports trophy to win. Uh, in pro sports, totally and, you know, two months, uh, grueling grind. And, you know, a lot of it has to be your players peaking at the right time or you got a hot goalie, the injury bug, you know, are you able to get past that? Do you have depth? I mean, it's just, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. And, uh, and that year we were fortunate enough to, you know, kind of touch all the bases and, and, uh, we had some crazy injuries throughout the course of the year and then in the playoffs and, and some real unfortunate medical issues and, went through some adversity with a little bit of a losing streak and, and all those things that 
kind of build character and, and allow you to, when you get into the dog days of the playoffs and, you, and you're kind of facing that big piece of adversity, you're able to look back on what you went through during the course of the year and, and lean on it a little bit and like, see, we were able to figure it out and, and we can do it here too. So it was, you know, you're going to have tough games, tough series, and it's a matter of how you can push through it. Yeah, no one can ever take it away from you. That's like the best part. Um, when it was your turn to uh, kind of take the cup, like where'd you bring it? And uh, was it ever in danger of being irreparably damaged? <laughs> no, actually, uh, I had it a few times. I had a party at my house uh, probably a week or two after we won, uh, just with you know my parents and my kids, and yeah, you know, just nice, nice little tight knit group and. Uh, he got there with the cup and immediately started taking the whole thing apart <laughs> and pieced it back together needed to put a wedge here and a wedge there just to hold it together. I don't think people realize what is keeping that thing in place and holding it together. But uh, uh, if it was to fall apart on someone, uh, there would be a lot of shrapnel flying out. That's for sure. Oh, my God. Who's the most skilled player you ever played against? Ooh. You know, I was fortunate enough to to play in a couple different eras and play play against some amazing players. I mean, the, the one for me, he was in his prime, was Mario Lemieux. I mean, yeah, he was, he's huge, right? Isn't he your size? Yeah, he's like six four. I'm yeah, six, yeah. Six, he's six four, big man, but he can skate. And you don't realize how powerful of skate of a skater he is. You don't realize he's coming on you that fast. It just all of a sudden, holy shit, he's already here. Yeah, he's and, like gliding around. Yeah, right? he's gliding and and just a strong, powerful stride and. Everything's under control, very smooth, very skilled, and just waiting for you to make your move. And then once you make your move, then he's going to either dish it or, you know, just very composed. And so it would have been scary to see his stats if he was able to stay healthy his whole career. Yeah, Gretzky-esque for sure. Like, I think he still has the most points per game on average or something. How about as a teammate who who was like one of the greatest players he ever played with? That's a good question. You know, I was fortunate enough to play, you know, I got to play with Wayne Gretzky my first year, my first year in St. Louis. Uh, I got a chance to obviously play with Brett Hall. Got a chance to play with uh, Tamu Solane. You know, I got a chance to play with a lot of really great goal scorers in my career. And and so, like Tamu, you know, it's crazy to think he had, I don't know, close to, I don't know, 600 and some goals. Arguably one of the worst shots I've ever seen. <laughs> You're kidding. Like softest, like just yeah. a muffin. But Quick release, you know, came off his stick funny. Yeah. And I mean, but he could pick incredibly accurate. And if there was like a little hole, he could find it. And, and so, you know, just, he just had a knack for it. And, and I think a lot of it goes to his speed. Like he's coming down so fast on the wing that the angle is changing so quickly on the goalie. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it just caught the goalie off guard with how fast he was going down the wing or to the net. Uh, what have you. And and I think that really affected the way the goalie played it. Yeah, cool. Well, let's switch to the journey, which I know that you, you stayed in the NHL after you played in a few different jobs. And, you know, with your resume, you should just be sitting around telling people no all the time to like everything they want you to do. But you decided to do this with your brother, Sean. Tell us about the journey. Tell us about the moment you guys kind of cooked it up and said, hey, man, we're doing this. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. We had we had been talking for a few years about trying to figure out, trying to do something together. Uh, obviously, see a, a lot of different looks and opportunities to see things, and it just wasn't the right fit, wasn't the right timing, what have you. And and when this was presented to us, it was like, well, I mean, is, what do we think about this? Is it a good fit? You know, two small town Canadian boys 
coming out with a Canadian whiskey, uh, homage to our home country, something fun. And with our partner, Niagara Falls Craft Distillers, you know, as we talked about putting the deal together and how it would work. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that they learned is that I don't do anything half-ass. <laughs> yeah. If I'm in, I'm in. And you may think I'm a pain in the ass, but I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I'm going to be doing a lot of research and kind of digging in the trenches to figure out what uh, what it is we need to do, how we need to grow, how we need to build, uh, how we need to operate, all that kind of stuff. And from soup to nuts, my brother and I have been a part of the branding, the naming, the marketing, the liquid. What you taste is exactly how we would want it. That's what we chose. You know, we had a sampling. I think we sampled three different iterations of it. And this was the coup de grace. This was the final, final, final. You just and, said kick, uh, kick up the alcohol percentage just a couple of notches. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, uh, you know, it's smooth. We wanted a whiskey for everybody. And, you know, I think one of the things that we'd always heard from people, uh, uh, longtime whiskey drinkers ourselves, was, you know, a lot of people didn't like the burn. Yeah. Didn't like that harsh, you know, sensation in their in their throat and stomach. So th- we got rid of that. And uh, a byproduct of that, we got a little extra spice in the whiskey. And it's incredibly smooth. The, f- the first thing we hear anytime anybody ever tries it is, wow, that's smooth. Yeah. And, and then they start talking about the flavor profile and, you know, it's got a little bit of spice, a little cinnamon, a little bit of sweetness to it, but how it kind of sits on your palate. And, and a friend of mine always says, well, you just got to get them to the third sip. That's the closer. Once you get to this, the third sip, it's been sitting on your palate. Uh, the flavor profile takes hold and it's just super, super smooth. And uh, we're excited about it. it. It's getting really good reviews and, you know, it's just a matter of us getting out in front of people. Yeah. So how, how did you come up with the name? Because I think the more you really go down the rabbit hole on that brand, there's just not a lot of brand names like that. The more you think about it, it almost applies to like everybody, right? It's like everybody has their own thing. Everybody has the ups and downs. Like, how did yep. you come up with that kind of eureka moment? That is exactly the iteration of the journey. You know, we're a whiskey for everybody. And and really the genesis behind it is when you think about the journey we're all on, everybody has their own unique journey. You know, you have a great day. You want to grab a whiskey and you want to tell your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your whoever. And so that's a part of the journey. You have a crappy day. You get punched in the face. Uh, you have a terrible defeat. You, what, what, you know, you fail, what have you. So you want to have a glass of whiskey. You want to tell somebody. So really, it's just the stories you tell, the people you meet. Our tagline on the bottle and in our marketing is celebrate the victories, be proud of your scars, and enjoy the journey. And and that really emulates what we're all about. And, and just it's about having a conversation and telling your story, telling your journey that you're on. And, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm in the Hall of Fame and Top 100, et cetera, and I played for four teams. <laughs> Five teams, pardon me. Yeah. And so I have my own unique journey too, going from stop to stop. So as you look around at whether it's professional sports, whether it's business, it's synonymous with hard work. It's synonymous with life. We knew when we were talking about names and journeymen and this and that, and all of a sudden we're like, you know, the journey, like yeah, the journey. And because everybody's on one and we're talking about it a lot with our whiskey, uh, it just made a lot of sense. A big part of the journey story and appeal is how it's made. 
Chris and his brother wanted a high-quality product with a strong Canadian connection, so they partnered with Niagara Falls Craft Distillers to create something very special. We're a premium Canadian whiskey, and that was important to us too. We wanted to make sure we were putting out a good product. Niagara Falls Craft Distiller is based in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Hence the Canadian whiskey part. Our whiskey is uh, three years in a day in an American oak barrel, and then three months in a proprietary second barrel to give it that smooth finish, uh, add a little spice to it. They've been a, a great partner. They make it for us, they bottle it, they ship it, they do all the back-end logistics stuff, and we're kind of the forward-facing marketing, branding part of the business, and they've been incredible to work with, and, and we're super pumped to, uh, to kind of bring our new school Canadian whiskey out to the masses and, and have people try it. Yeah, well, you know, you can't succeed unless you have a great team. I know this isn't like a celebrity brand. You and your brother, Sean, are just kind of opening the door for this great product. Your job is partially, you know, marketing the brand. How are you approaching all of the marketing for it? What do you think is the most impactful? Like when you think about, all right, hey, I'm planning out my next month. What am I going to do here? How am I going to get these doors open? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, as they say in the liquor business, liquid to lips. It's, it's really just about getting people to try it. You know, obviously you've, you've got a lot of people that, you know, have their favorites and, and are pretty reticent to switch. And it's just a matter of presenting them an option. And uh, we're at a great price point. As I've gone around and had bartenders and, and bars try it, uh, you know, I, bring, I usually bring a bottle or two everywhere I go. <laughs> Right. They're like, this guy has a, this guy has a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and when I have people try it, they're like, wow. You know, now that there's this big bourbon rush here in America, everybody, you know, and you go to the store and bourbons are anywhere from 60 to 120 bucks a bottle. And when they ask me how much ours is and I tell them it's 25, they're like, huh? Way smoother, you know, everyday drinkable product. And, and I think that's also something we wanted was... We didn't want to be a collector's item. We're not a celebrity brand in the, in the regard that people might think. We're the everyday Joe having a drink every day, you know, relaxing and, you know, talking about their day. This isn't George Clooney shit, right? No, <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not the highfalutin in that regard. We are for everybody yeah. and hence the name, The Journey. Well, I think uh, there's a lot to be said for staying true to a strategy. You know, like in, in my business career, I've seen, you know, hey, bourbon's hot. Let's like do something really fast and like push into like that crowded marketplace. And then, of course, like no one makes money when everybody is is chasing it, you know, and you kind of stay off to the side and do your thing. And eventually the market recognizes you. But that's a byproduct of a lot of hard work over a number of years. So uh, yeah, it's funny. Two years ago when he started the process. The exciting part for us, number one, we were whiskey drinkers, yeah. Canadian whiskey drinkers. And number two, nobody was in the Canadian whiskey market. And, you know, it was always, it was yeah. the same old stuff. So we're like, well, this is perfect. We, you know, we want to, you know, bring an, an, another option to the category and, and a better option in our, in our view. So, and then, and now since then, there's been a couple more entrees <laughs> to the marketplace, but, uh, you know, it just brings more eyeballs to it, which is great. You know, it gives a little bit more publicity to the product and that Canadian whiskey marketplace. So uh, the more the merrier. So where can people buy this who are listening? Online, go to our website, thejourney.com, T-H-E-J-R-N-Y.com. 
We are live in stores in Missouri, South Carolina, New York, Ontario. It takes a really long time to build this stuff up. It seems like you've made a lot of progress. We have. And and we'll be in uh, Alberta next month. In the new year, we'll be in BC and Manitoba. And then uh, we're working on a deal in Texas, Southern California, and Florida. It does not happen overnight, as you said. So it's just a matter of us getting out there. One person, one bar, one store, one city, one county, one, one state at a time. <laughs> Your life could be worse, right? But I, seriously, though, like somebody once told me, I started my company in 1998. Here we are 25 years later. Somebody once told me that success is like rust on a pipe. You don't kind of see it while it's happening. And then kind of every once in a while, you kind of look and the rust is crap you know, along the pipe a lot. And I think it's a good visual because, you know, talk about the journey. When you're starting anything, it's always kind of one step forward, two steps back. And you're like, oh God, you know, all kinds of problems, but you got to power through that shit. And that's really the hardest part, but that's the funnest part. Um, even though it doesn't feel fun all the time, you know? Yeah. We are going to have, you know, tough days, tough weeks, tough months, tough years, you know, as you look year to year, et cetera, the ups and downs of, entrepreneurship and business and, and all that. So it's it's looking at the bigger picture and and having an understanding of what a win looks like, what a loss looks like, what success looks like. And at the end of the day, slowly kind of keep grinding and, and put the work in. Yeah, you got to celebrate the wins. It's a great story, Chris. I think when people hear about it, they want to be a part of it. Before we go, I wanted to ask you a couple of final questions, maybe about the NHL today. Who are... Uh, couple of teams that are kind of catching your eye these days. You know, as, as we've seen over the last number of years, the regular season doesn't seem to mean a whole lot. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Other right. than getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, the team that's favored or seems to be running away with it does not seem to be winning. You know, I think you look at, you know, Vegas last year, they were one of the favorites, but not necessarily the favorite. And you could look at them and be like, you know, they really kind of came into their own. Their star players got healthy. They kind of came together at the right time. The goalie got hot, et cetera. You know, when you look at the team that they played in the conference finals, Edmonton <laughs> just fired the coach. And, you know, the tale of two seasons, it's one, one year you're on top of the world and the next year, yeah. I mean, it's just the Bruins, you know, running away with the President's Trophy and losing the first round. I mean, it's just Crazy. things happen. So... It's hard to say this early in the season who's going to win it. But what you can do when you look at the standings right now, you know, as we get closer to Thanksgiving, one of the stats that are really important is that you're in or extremely close to the playoffs for Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, which is crazy to think Yeah, that there's so much more left in the season, yet this point in the year, not every single playoff team but most make it yeah and as you get closer to the end of the year and you're trying to make up ground it's you know it's always interconference games it's always interdivision games and you're thinking okay well this team's gonna win well and guess what they they tie and then there's an overtime win and they all get points so you're not getting close you're not getting as close as you think you're getting because they're always, you know, they're tight games or then teams start saying well let's just get a point so then both teams play defensive yeah. And then they both get their point. Then they let it out. And they're like, all right, let's try to get the other one. You're not moving as close as you think you might on one team or the other because they're just kind of playing a stalemate. And it kind of blocks a lot of the teams that are trying to advance up through the standings. Yeah. 
it's such a fun game to watch. I, I have t- season tickets to the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. We live about an hour north. I have three daughters. They absolutely love the game. And I was going to ask you about the defenseman position um, because we have Adam Fox that we get to see. He's a great player. How's the position changed since you got into the league? Because obviously there's a lot of like super skilled, smaller defensemen. You were obviously much bigger, still had the offensive part to the game, but how's it changed? Obviously, as the league has changed and rules have been altered, etc., it's a lot more open, a little more run and gun. Uh, the skill level and the talent of the players is off the charts. You see a lot more, you know, the Adam Foxes, the Eric Carlson's, uh, you know, the players that are, you know, you look at them, they're run and gun, they're all offense. Uh, and then you have, you know, if we're looking at the Rangers, you got a guy like Jacob Truba, who's more steady, eddy, defensive, you know, big checks. So you're getting a, a, a cross section of players, offensive, usually are paired with defensive and players of that like. So you get a good mixture. The teams that have, I think, the most success are able to match defensemen together where you got an offensive and a defensive together and one kind of covers for the other, et cetera. The other guy can give it to the offensive guy and they can make plays and do things from there. So it's it's kind of a good yin and yang. And then you get some teams where they just have a good balance. They might not necessarily have a big you know, offensive producer like those two guys, but they'll have somebody pretty steady, you know, 50, 60 points and – and, are, and is able to defend and, and is able to play in more situations and kill penalties and be on the ice in the last minute and on and on and on. And where does that look inside of their makeup of their team and their roster and, and salary cap and things of that nature? So it's there's a lot of moving parts when you're building out these teams. And, you know, you look at uh, Kale McCarr in, in Colorado. Uh, you know, you could argue that he's probably the most well-rounded defenseman in the league right now just with his offensive prowess and his ability to defend and and how well he defends we'll see how it plays out you know you got a lot of good young players coming up through the system learning the game gaining experience and now they're getting ready to kind of take that next step you know the journey isn't just another celebrity brand Beyond the big names and smart branding, there are premium ingredients, attention to detail, and great value. But more than that, the Pronger brothers have a great story to tell about relationships and connection around life's peaks and valleys. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, Subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Chris Pronger for joining me today. He's partnered with Skill Craftspeople to create a delicious quality of Canadian whiskey that appeals to everybody. They've developed a unique new offering in the market, They're growing at a solid pace, and I'm looking forward to seeing the journey on shelves of liquor retailers everywhere. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena.
References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.